sweet land of liberty, our founding fathers not only pledged, but gave their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to obtain our God-given liberty. Now it's our turn. Liberty can only thrive if it's alive in the hearts of a freedom-loving people. I'm Dan Matthews, and I'm pleased to welcome you to Freedom's Ring. Here's our host and constitutional lawyer and minister, Alan Reinach. Welcome back to Freedom's Ring, my friends. Religious hate crimes, including attacks on churches, are expected to increase. Well, that's the bad news. The good news is our guest today is uh, determined to do something about it. Zara Jamal is Associate Director of the Banyuk Institute for Religious Tolerance at Rice University. Welcome to Freedom's Ring, Zara. Thank you so much, Alan. So, well, you know, where I want to begin is tell me about this Institute for Religious Tolerance. Sure. So our mission is the study and advancement of religious tolerance. We work with multiple partners to reduce religious intolerance through education, leadership training, especially of civic and corporate leaders, also through research and the arts. As you may know, as of 2019, 80% of hate crimes in the U.S. are committed against religious and racial minorities, including their houses of worship and religious institutions like schools and nursing homes. And attacks on religious communities in the U.S. are not new. This was a big issue, of course, in the civil rights era. Sure. But even in the 1990s, about a thousand churches were set ablaze. And more recently, we've seen attacks on synagogues, churches and mosques in the last few years. You know, it strikes me that this is a religious freedom issue that does not get nearly enough attention. And, you know, I just think back, I've been doing this radio show for 21 years, and, and we have covered the topic of attacks, but not to the extent that it really deserves. Sure. You know, when you put it that way, it's it's really an enormous problem. Now, I gather that you, you know, the way I found out about you was because I got a notice about this program that uh, you're conducting with various branches of the government. Why don't you tell us about that? Sure. So that particular program is um, meant to help religious groups to prepare to protect themselves. Uh, So various faith communities have done their own trainings and created safety manuals. But this particular program was begun in 2017 by the Department of Justice's Community Relations Service. And it's specifically geared towards faith and community leaders across America in protecting places of worship. You know, thinking about these attacks on churches. I recall visiting a church in Las Vegas and for the first time seeing security guards outside the church. I had never seen that before. And I guess that sort of thing is becoming more common, isn't it? Yes, it is. Absolutely. Um, We've seen this massive rise in hate crimes, as I mentioned. And for faith communities, I think it's especially important for them to note those trends, to assess the risk against their community and the vulnerabilities of their property, to create trained security teams and plans, and implement some of those measures that you mentioned, like having security cameras, alarm systems, restricted entry, security guards, and especially good relations with the local police. So is there a really good resource that, you know, clergy, religious leaders, elders can go to get more information about, you know, these security measures? 
Absolutely. So the Department of Homeland Security has a wealth of resources on these issues, these planning tools. So go to dhs.gov and and then look up protecting places of worship and you'll find those tools. Now, I know among conservatives, there's a a concern that we not uh, kind of expand the concept of hate crimes to criminalize hate speech. Can you make the distinction between hate crimes and hate speech? Sure. So hate speech is protected by the First Amendment, but it could be considered a hate crime if the hate speech incites violence or includes threats of harm to a person or property of a protected class. Um, Protected classes are things like sex, race, age, disability, color, creed, national origin, religion, or genetic information. Sure. Well, you know, the old saying from a Supreme Court case is that no one has the right to cry fire in a crowded theater, Uh, that if you're engaging in speech that causes harm to people, then that's punishable. But there has to be actual, I guess, actual harm or really the incitement to cause that harm. Right. Exactly. So, you know, there is a problem with hate speech laws in countries that don't have the First Amendment protection for free speech like we do. That's right. Absolutely. Well, what about resources more broadly uh, in terms of religious tolerance? How is uh, your institute really addressing the subject of religious tolerance? So um, two of the key areas that we work uh, relate to prevention and education. So as you may know, 10% of hate crimes actually occur in schools and on college campuses. We know that bullying and violence against kids on the basis of their religious identity is twice the national average of bullying in general. So we work on training teachers uh, to the extent possible, working with administrators and parents um, on religious literacy education. That's the academic study of religion. We're not trying to convert people. It's not the confessional approach. And we also provide um, supplementary learning resources for students so that they can understand people who are different from them and learn how we have a lot more in common than we don't. Another key area that we work is in the in the corporate sector. So seven. 70- let me let me stop you for a second sure. and and just on the subject of education. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm in California and. You know, right around in the post-9-11 era, as we were um, going to war against Iraq, we were in Afghanistan, there was a push to teach more about Islam in the public schools. And there was quite the reaction against it from conservative Christians. And I always felt that, you know, if a an extremist form of Islam uh, is a real concern, for us in terms of national security, then educating students, you know, what this religion is all about made a lot of sense to me. And it didn't make sense, you know, to simply be ignorant of one of the major world's religions that had become such a prominent issue in terms of our security, our foreign policy, etc. But it's, it strikes me that, um, it's clearly not universally understood why it's so important for us to be broadly educated about other religions than our own. 
Yeah, absolutely. And so when we learn about other religious traditions, it actually um, statistically reinforces our commitment to our own traditions and it enables us to humanize the other. Um, on your point on uh, learning about Islam in particular, I should mention that less than 0.0001% of Muslims in the world um, hold extremist views and are terrorists. Thank so you. I think that's especially important for folks to know, too. Well, you know... I don't know how people get this attitude, you know, all blank are terrorists, you know, and, you know, and I have seen and consulted with employment lawyers, and I know we're going to go to employment next, where you had um, one group of Muslims discriminating against another group of Muslims. And part of it was religious differences, but part of it was racial, because, of course, you know, not all Muslims are Arab either, and not all Arabs are Muslim. That's right. So there's so much ignorance and confusion. If we're going to have anything like tolerance, obviously we need to, to know each other. But I, I do think that the best way to overcome intolerance is just to make friends with people and get to know people who have different values and beliefs. Absolutely. And the data shows that as well. So, um, are there any particular religious groups that suffer, you know, attacks and hate crimes, you know, more than others, at least in this country? Yes. So Jewish and Muslim communities are three times more likely to receive threats against their property and their people. And therefore, they're up to three times more likely to have safety plans and measures in place. After those two communities is the Sikh community that's most targeted. It's also worthwhile to note that the FBI hate crime stats disaggregate various Christian denominations, so they divide them into Protestant, Catholic, Orthodox, etc. If you combine all of those Christian groups and denominations together, they are the third highest target after Jews and Muslims. So even collectively, the Christian community, despite its larger numbers, is still behind um, Jews and Muslims and Jews as far as being a target. That's right. You know, given the fact that Christianity would not exist without the Jewish community and the, the history of the Jewish people, I just don't understand why anyone who comes from a Christian background would be anti-Semitic or would want to attack um, a, a synagogue. or It, it just boggles my mind. Um, what are we finding about the causes of hate crimes? Yeah, so especially with um, religious-based hate crimes, there are um, a number of different factors. Um, so it can be religious bias, racial bias, including white supremacy, um, anti-government views, domestic terrorism, but even also interpersonal rage and mental illness. I think with respect to the anti-Semitism that you mentioned earlier, that's actually probably the most ancient form of um, racism and prejudice and violence against any group. It's, it's existed for centuries. Um, and that's driven by, you know, different interpretations often of faith. You know, we just have a, another minute left. What can our listeners do practically if they're concerned about this, if they actually want to learn more do more to protect their own church or, you know, to participate in uh, creating more religious tolerance. Any suggestions for our listeners? 
Yeah, absolutely. So I would say build positive relations with the local police, other faith communities and community based organizations that work on these issues. Ensure that you are trained in um, hate crimes in religious literacy and anti bias. Um, try to create some of those safety plans I mentioned looking at the website at DHS.org. And also um, make sure that you make friends with people who are different from you. Spend time with them, break bread, volunteer, etc. That has such a huge impact on how we understand and humanize one another and find ways to see diversity as strength. You know, one thing that strikes me that I've always advocated is that religious leaders of whether they're, you know, Christian clergy or otherwise, that we should encourage um, joint activities with other faith groups. So, for example, if you if you have a mosque, you know, I go to a church and there's a mosque down the street and I say to the pastor, you know, do you know your neighbors here in the mosque? And frequently they do. And I think that's really important that we find ways to to be together and to get acquainted with one another because that's how we break down prejudice really is seeing people of different cultures and different beliefs just as human beings. Yes, absolutely. And there's data to support that. And I think it's also worthwhile to note that many faith traditions focus on service to community as a central tenet. And so we could all come together on different issues of justice that are plaguing society more broadly and see how we can connect and reflect on our faith in that way, too. Well, I'm really glad that you took the time to be with us today. Our guest, Zara Jamal, again, Associate Director of the Banyak Institute for Religious Tolerance at Rice University. We've been talking about a very disturbing topic, an increase in religious hate crimes. As we close, remember, friends, even the coronavirus won't slow down our efforts to protect your religious freedom. We don't just talk about it. We provide legal services to those suffering religious discrimination, especially workers. So check us out at churchstate.org, www.churchstate.org. This has been Freedom's Ring. I'm your host, Alan Rhino. Until next week, friends, keep freedom ringing.